Alright, hello, 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 and welcome to the Circuit Clouds podcast, the official podcast of United League Baseball. Uh, I am Lance Mueller, and as usual, all the clowns are in the car with me, Charlie Qualls. Hey, smart bellers. <laughs> Glenn Reed. Yeah, there's, there's, we know, we, we know, we know him from the laugh. We know him from the laugh. He's on his laughing gas. Yes, he's on his laughing gas. I guess that's Glenn's version of a hello. And, uh, and the commissioner back with us again, Timothy Smith. Poke it, Dickie Thon. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, yes, we will get to, we're going to get to a little Dickie uh, in just a, a short bit. Uh, so we are back with our uh, preseason preview, preseason predictions. Uh, we uh, did the East in our last podcast, and now we're going to tackle the West. We're not going to go so much with our predictions this time, but we're going to go off of what the game is predicting will be the finish in the West, and then we're just going to give our thoughts on that. Um, but before we do that, we are going to talk a little bit about this this uh, last draft that we had. Um Glenn, I know you've got some thoughts. So why don't you kick us off about the draft? Well, dude, we should probably start by saying credit to the new guys, right? I mean, Washington with Gibson, Hoyt, the single mo- – so Gibson, the reason why he's a good scorer is because he's the only guy in the friggin' draft with seven power. So that seems like a, a good pick. And then he follows it up with Lamar Hoyt and John Tudor. Both of those guys are underdeveloped for their age, but if they come home, he has solved his single biggest problem, which is uh, arguably pitching. So, so I think so. That guy, Washington, did very well, and I think Atlanta. That guy, Mike Scott, is was arguably the best. I don't arguably he was the best pitching prospect, and he got Harper in the second round, who's an eight potential eight contact catcher. That to me was the value pick of the draft right there. So. Yeah, so I think that was uh, so well done to the new guys. Of course, I mean, what can you say about Sean? I mean, that's not really – you're not getting value, but but you're getting quality, right? Ricky Henderson is ready to play. Pastore is ready to play. Coddle could be awesome. And Allen is ready to play. So um, so I, I feel like he Detroit massively helped himself as well. Um, I don't know. Those are my biggest, like, great scoops for the new guys. Great job for Sean. I thought Dickie Thon lasting until six or seven for uh, Seattle. The snake was an excellent pick. I think I made an argument that he could be the number two pick. So in my mind, that was a good score. We should probably also mention Vase. Do you guys want to talk about Vase? I mean, the Reigns pick too. But then interestingly, Hatcher, a similar sort of, I guess Hatcher can play anywhere, right? So you can't really say a fielder, but. Right, um, and he did get Underwood and Reardon, so he helped himself where he needed bullpen up. So he got some help now as well. So once again, much like free agency, I really felt like everybody pretty much did what they needed to do, right, and helped themselves as they needed to be helped. Right. So, so it, it wasn't really spectacular, but I think you know you just got you know everybody met their needs. I mean, I like Rigetti a lot, and the fact that St. Louis grabbed Rigetti late in the first round, I thought was good, and also Lee Brandt in the second round, that was a good pick to me. So, so I feel like everybody pretty much had a solid draft and addressed their needs. That I mean, that was kind of my take. I I, I agree. I think um, I mean there were so many after after Henderson, Reigns, and Scott, which I think 
was, you know, everyone pretty much had those guys as the top three. That there were, there's a cluster, there's literally about a dozen guys that could have gone, gone between like four and 15 or 16. I don't think there were really any bad picks in the first round. There was, there was one, there was only one pick in the first round that I thought was a little questionable, and that was Montreal taking Mark Clear at number eight. Um, but that's only because I thought uh, Caudill was the best reliever available. So I thought um, it wasn't that Clear was uh, horrible. Um, and, you know, I think eight is a lot of people have an aversion to taking relievers in the first round. But I think, you know, once, once you're in the bottom half of the first round and there were so many really, really good relievers that I think you get to the point where if you're looking at taking the best available player, it kind of makes sense. But I will point out that if, if Mark Clear was like a questionable pick, this to me, the absolute scoop and the score and the swoop of the draft was without a doubt Castino at 13, the guy who plays second base, third base. I had him actually going. Um, I thought Detroit it would come between Castino because Detroit had had a need at second base, right? Uh, I thought Detroit would come back between Castino and Pastore. Um, so the fact that Castino lasted nine more picks after that and dropped all the way down to 13, and then as Glenn mentioned in the in the last episode, he instant. Uh, upgrade. He's got he's eight contact uh, potential contact. So, to me, that was the the score of the of the entire draft. Yeah, absolutely. I had I when I had the number four pick, um, I had Castino in there before I traded for Lansford. I had Casino written in there. You know, I liked Hatcher, but uh, you know he was going to instantly fill in my third base hole, and. Uh, the fact that he went 13, it was shocking to me. Yeah, I, I think uh, I, I was a, a surprised by that. A little surprised by Pistori going in that four spot. Um, I, I know that Detroit needs starting pitching, um, but I just there was certainly some offensive pieces um, that were on the board that I think could have helped Detroit. Um, not that they necessarily need any help, but, um, you know, and Pastore, I think, is a, a story still to be written as to what he ends up turning into. Um, but that that aside, I mean, Detroit, I think, did a great job, obviously, Henderson, but uh, as uh, Glenn mentioned, Cottle and Allen and even Jesse Orozco. I mean, I think he got three really solid um, potential relievers for his, for, for his bullpen, and one of which he's already going to be able to use. He's got in there and is in, in Allen. You know, I think Cottle is not very far away from being uh, helping uh, also. So, um, yeah, I don't, I think if I if question anything in the first round, maybe Guy Hoffman at 12, only because, again, yeah. I, think, I think for San Francisco, again, Castino was still on the board. Mickey Hatcher was still on the board. Brian Harper was still on the board. And I feel like, you know, San Francisco's got a kind of an aging team. It's going gonna, it's gonna to need to fill some holes in its offense pretty soon. Um, so I don't know about – although I think the plan for Jeff is that he's going to try and turn Guy Hoffman into a starting pitcher. So that may have been what he saw there. He saw a guy who – I think he even – I think his nickname was even soon to be starting pitcher uh, Hoffman. So I think that was the the plan there in, in grabbing Hoffman. But I don't know. I don't know about that. But yeah, for sure, Castino 
you know, falling all the way to 13 was really a shock in, 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 in as much as also he, besides Ricky Anderson, was about the only position player who was ready to, to go in, in and play right now. And to be able to play two uh, infield positions extremely well, I mean, that guy, yeah, easily could have been, you know, top six or seven. So, um, but yeah, I think, you know, my... Um, I want to give shout outs to, to LA, which uh, um, Glenn did a little bit on his. I mean, picking up Reigns, obviously, Reigns is a little bit of a, a gamble. I mean, he's got a lot of developing to do. But then to also get Hatcher, who who's can, you can just put that guy anywhere and see if you know, put him in the minors, you know, stick him in one of those positions where he doesn't have the greatest ratings right now. But, you know, if he plays it for a couple of seasons in the minors, maybe he gets a couple of upticks in his uh, defense, defensive ratings at some other position. And then again, Pat Underwood. Who he can, who's going to use, he can use right now in his bullpen, and also Jeff Reardon, who also looks like it'd be a very good bullpen piece. You know, I think I think LA did a really nice job um, with their draft. Yeah, that guy includes a draft pick in every trade, and that's just genius. So uh, you know, I, I love that. Um, says, says the guy says the guy who has had no draft picks. <laughs> yeah, well, his Charlie includes a draft pick in every every trade. Also, he just uh, well, exactly, he, the other way. way. Yeah. You just got it's got to go to the extreme. That's all. Yeah. Uh, I like I like what Washington is doing. He picking up Hoyt and Tudor in the in the middle of the second round. I mean, yeah, those guys have a long way to go. But for what Washington's doing, um, he addressed those guys could could eventually, you know, become something. And St. Louis definitely addressed their pitching needs. Uh, you got Liebrandt number sixteen. That was I think that was a bit of a swoop. Like you yeah. said, maybe he could have gone to San Francisco if you're looking for a starter. But, it, you know, he had plans for Hoffman, I guess. I, I definitely uh, liked Castino ahead of her in terms of uh, if you need a second baseman. But maybe people were just looking at the 3B in front of Castino. Um, and, yeah, like picking up clear at that spot, I, I'm not sure. But then you get swooped with Castino. Danny Heap was the, the mystery man. I like that pick. He probably could have gone a little later, but I just love the fact that we don't know. He could just—he could be anything, and uh, I have a weird feeling about that guy. Well, Charlie is weird but, feelings. Uh, I know that's—that's that's what I base a lot of this on. But yeah, I think LA is the big winner right now. He's—he picked up some <laughs> some major draft bait if he wants to with Reigns and Hatcher. Underwood and Reardon could could be up this year and start helping out yeah you know so I, I like what he did with his picks obviously detroit you know you can't i i like pastori honestly i had him ahead of scott just again based on gut feelings but i, I think i would have drafted him before mike scott okay wow well i was right any other thoughts on the draft anybody else got any input on this past draft i was I was real happy to get, um, you know, I had, the, the more I looked at the, uh, what, so my official cut when I was looking at, because obviously started pitching, right? So it was no secret that I was going to go after a starter. And obviously I had Scott number one, and I initially had Steve number two, and then Pastore, and Pastore, I know maybe Pastore might have been number four on my initial list, but the more I looked at him, and I, and I factored in, um, you know, calculating uh, the current ratings as a percentage of potential and the fact that Pastore was pretty much 
ready to go. To me, that compensated a lot for the, he might have had a slightly lower potential, but he was already uh, more fully cooked. So I moved the story up. I would have loved for Sean to have taken Steve so I could get Pastore, but I'm, I was happy with Steve. And I was really thrilled that Flannery dropped to 19 because, again, I need a second baseman. So um, I thought there were the three really good second basemen were uh, Casino, her, and then Flannery. So I was thrilled to get, uh, you know, have Flannery drop to, drop to 19. Yeah. Uh, any other... Any other thoughts on this draft? All right. No love. No love. No comment. Tim Flannery. Nobody. Nobody has anything to say about Tim Flannery. He was a wonderful third base coach. <laughs> Tremendous third base coach. So. He knows how I feel about him. Exactly. Charlie's always the one in, when you know whenever Flannery plays, he's always in the crowd. You know, just with the with the lighter, trying to get people to sing along with the the Flan man in his uh, yeah. yeah, in his guitar. So. Flannery will get you nowhere. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So uh, that's our look at this uh, this last draft. Um, so now we're going to move on and take a look at the West, the predictions for the West, um, based on what the game thinks. And uh, starting at the bottom, uh, in-game is saying that Atlanta is going to finish in seventh place in the West. Uh, Tim, what are your thoughts on that? You agree? Disagree? Well, see, not only does the game have them seventh, they have them worst in the league. 101 losses. It's 55 and 101. They're finishing seven games out of sixth place. Um, so that's basically, and this is a team that was 66 and 90 last year, and the game is saying they're going to be 11 games worse. So I don't know. I think um, I don't really argue with the position that they'll come in seventh, but I don't know, 55 and 101, that seems pretty harsh. I don't think that they're 11 games worse than than last year. Um, he did address some of the pitching. He picked up Alan Foster uh joe coleman and a couple of decent relievers so he's um obviously doing a good job of kind of addressing the, the team needs i think we should point out the the amazing uh revelation that dave revering was last year um there's a fourth round pick who turned into a monster was a rookie of the year candidate 340 22 homers 72 rbis um obviously he's had some massive upgrades but um i don't know i think this team is Definitely better than 55 wins. Now, are they going to finish out of last place? Maybe, but uh, I think it's between Atlanta and St. Louis. Uh, much like Detroit and Cleveland in the East, I think Atlanta and St. Louis are kind of like um, bringing up the rear in the division. Um, but, yeah, that's what I got on Atlanta. Yeah, I... I um... I had Atlanta coming in uh, in sixth place and, and St. Louis being down in, in seventh. But, I mean, I think most of that's um, attached to, you know, just sort of the real – some of the studs in the middle of the offense with Parker and Reverine and uh, Juan Beniquez, not bad. I mean, got Bump Wills, who's a nice guy to have towards the top of your lineup. And uh, you know, and also Al Woods, who's uh, developed pretty nicely. 
Um, he's got an eight contact and nine avoiding K, so he's got him leading off. I feel like there's enough offense here to keep uh, Atlanta from being at the at the in the basement, but I do I think I agree that it's going to be between Atlanta and St. Louis because I this even getting Joe Coleman and Alan Foster. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't help this pitching staff very much. I mean, Joe Coleman's pitched the last two seasons completely uh, out of the bullpen. You know, I, I just don't see them necessarily. Uh, helping this team do much better than a sixth place finish, but uh, so I, I don't have too much of an issue with with the game saying that they're going to finish in seventh place. Who else? What? Uh, who else has thoughts on Atlanta? Yeah, the, my problem with Atlanta is their defense. Oh man, this might be the worst looking defense I've seen. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't like it. I do think Foster, Coleman, Palmer. I think. Those guys keep them out of the cellar because I, I, I'm worried about St. Louis. But I think I, I think this this defense is really gonna work against them. Um, but I do like the way I do like where they're headed. They've got some young pieces in place. Obviously, signing Mike Scott and you know they they've got some young guys to build on. So they're not starting from scratch. But this team definitely needs to look. At getting rid of these older guys and just a youth movement needs to happen like like now. But I, I think they just stay out of the cellar. I think uh, St. Louis edges them out. Glennie, you got any thoughts, Glenn? Yeah, ratings wise, again, I have St. Louis is the worst team by ratings in the division. Atlanta is in the bottom half for pitching, relievers, and lineup. So I, I see the argument that they're among the worst teams. It's kind of of odd. Like Cleveland, we talked about, he actually has some of his best starters actually in the bullpen. He has Kyson, 19-rated starter, and Randy Jones, 21. I mean, he's listed as a closer, so he's probably 20 as a starter. 20-rated starter in the bullpen or, you know, as his closer. So the starters that he has aren't good, and he should get shelled. Charlie's point is right by ratings count. I only looked at up the middle defense. I didn't look at the whole team but up the middle he has the worst up the middle defense in the league so bad defense bad pitching in an extreme hitters park that is a tough combination um and again his lineup well as you say he has some good guys like you look at him you're like yeah some of these guys are good right but on the relative to the rest of the league he's again he's slightly below average so I don't. I don't think that makes him the worst team in the division. I put St. Louis there, but I mean, again, I could see, you know, hard times. Um, Kraken sixty wins, like where he was in the standings last year. So, oh, sorry, not standings. Um, by ratings count, he's the fourth worst team. The fourth worst team by ratings last year was Detroit. Now, again, they were historically bad, so I don't believe he can be historically bad. All right, so. I think we uh, we batted around the other name that uh, is going to come up next in the sixth spot, which is St. Louis. I think uh, most of us seem to feel like the game is predicting St. Louis to finish in sixth, and I feel like uh, a lot of us feel like that's probably not that far off, either sixth or seventh. Uh, Tim, what do you what do you take on that? It used to be uh, this team that you handled uh, in the past. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Well, they had a horrible year last year, 21-game drop-off, which I think was the was the um, was the biggest um, decline in, in wins for a team. 
Um, they had some bad luck. They had, you know, they've had Matlack and Medic have been like the, the, the star pitchers of the future for like four years. They just never get there and they keep having injuries. Um, address that a little bit with, uh, with Hooten and, um, and bring up Jim Clancy from the minors. But I'm looking at this team. So one of the things I do when I went through the teams is I looked at the, um, the ratings by position and kind of looked at, you know, who's in the top third, bottom third, middle third and whatnot. And St. Louis, if you look at the eight position players, they only have one, they only have one guy in the top 10 um, at, at his position. That means they've got seven guys who are in the bottom four. Uh, and the, the one guy that they had is uh, center fielder, which would, I think that's uh, Mumphrey, right? Um, so you're looking at the league's worst offense. Um, the only piece they really added was Oscar Gamble. Uh, and you look at his ratings and it's like, okay, you know, it's, I, I guess it's an upgrade for this team, but Oscar Gamble, I guess it's a tradition for me to, to name the league's worst uh, cleanup hitter, right? So I think we have uh, Oscar Gamble might be in that uh, that category. I think he's like a six. He's a little bit of power, but um, uh, you know I do think they have slightly better pitching than Atlanta uh, with Matlack and Parsons at the top of the rotation. Um, but, but still, I think much like again like Cleveland and Detroit, I think Atlanta and St. Louis uh, are pretty clearly the the, the bottom two of the West. Yeah, the pitching here looks kind of scary to me. Clancy's taking some downgrades. Matt Mike is still, Matt Mike has probably got trade bait written all over him. I'd say love, love uh, Mumphrey in center field. I'd like that guy a lot. And his defense is, is puts him a little ahead of Atlanta. Or he's a little better defense than Atlanta, I'd say. But yeah, you, you just having Oscar Gamble as your cleanup guy and the, some of that up the middle defense. Like we, what well, UL Washington is awesome, but man, I can't put I can't put a four at shortstop. I can't do it. It's just not. In, I, I don't have that makeup. I can't do it. So I don't know. That's a that's a failing with me. I would say other than other than uh, UL Washington at shortstop. This is a, they're very strong up the middle. Milt May is a ten at catcher. Mumphrey mm -hmm. is a nine in center field, yeah. and Royster is a nine at second base. So, um, unlike Atlanta, they Wait. do have they do have some they, they have some leather on this team. Yeah, Glenn. It was like a waste having a guy that bad at short. Yeah, Glenn. Speaking of guys that bad at short, Glenn. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. I mean, the guy has the number two, the number two farm system now. And I think of this team, five of the eight guys in his starting lineup are 25 or younger. So let's put a positive spin on it. I mean, they're not good today, but he has a lot of young guys that are good. His bullpen, surprisingly, is really strong. Hartzell is a 21. Barr has got upgraded. He's a 21. Anderson's a 20. So... You know, there are some things to like about this team. And UL Washington is horrible defensively. But damn, dude, a middle infielder, let's assume he fills out, right? If he fills out, he could be really um, quite yeah. good offensively. So, so again, there are some things to like about the team. But, yeah, I mean, I, they're, they're the worst team in the division by ratings count handily. So I don't really know what more there is to say. 
Okay, well, let's not say any more then. Um, so, the game then uh, in the five slot has San Francisco dropping uh, all the way out of the uh, playoffs and into fifth position in the West. So, I heard a boo from Tim, so you obviously have some thoughts about that. I think I was Charlie. Charlie, all right, your boo sound alike. Sorry. I think he was booing me. <laughs> you got half. I don't like that pick at all. I don't. I don't see. Uh, this team is just is just too good, and they're and they're they've become a machine, you know. Especially look at how they ended the season. Yeah, it was kind of uh, anticlimactic getting knocked out of the playoffs like that. But I, I just, I mean, they, they, Jenkins and Moose and McLaughlin. It's. I don't see this team being a 500 team. I don't. I don't see it. Yeah. Anybody? What? Anybody else got thoughts? Tim, what are your thoughts on San Francisco finishing in fifth place? Well, it is an odd year, so they are due for another uh, zag, I guess. If zig is up and zag is down, then um, so last year they they improved by 23 games from 72 to 95 wins. And the game is having them go back down to 77. This is like the uh, the most static, and this is not a criticism of, of Jeff at all, but uh, you look at this team's lineup and you, you go back to like 76, 77, 78, like other than like Julio Cruz, um, you know, one little piece here on the margins, amazing consistency in terms of, of the roster. Um, and to his credit, it hasn't, uh, you know, a lot of teams – that would be uh, a negative and, and you just see the team kind of like just kind of rotting in place. But this team has managed to um, at least every other year be really, really good. So, um, you know, I don't, I, I don't see them dropping to uh, 77 and 79, but will they finish with 95 wins and second in the West? I'm thinking, Probably not. So as I said in the clouds, like they jumped from sixth to second last year, and I fully expect them to finish somewhere in between, like maybe fourth, third or fourth or fifth, somewhere in that mid-range cluster. Yeah, but it's like you said, they they stayed stagnant while everybody else added pieces. So that that does not bode well for them. Yeah, but I don't know if if everybody below them added enough pieces to necessarily leapfrog over them um per se i think i think you know sort of jeff's style of just sort of of staying the course is is worked pretty well for him and yeah i have to sort of agree i i think i picked them finishing third in the division not necessarily a playoff team but definitely not down here in fifth i mean he's just done so well with basically keeping the same parts and being able to be successful with it i do think that that time is going to run out if he doesn't make any changes. Some of these guys are just going to age out and, and not be sort of worth their while anymore. But I think for the time being, he did stay stagnant. I think you could say the same thing about uh, L.A. as well. But I don't think it necessarily means that they slide down in, in the division that much. Not not yet. But um, so, 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 Lance, if you see San Francisco as like just on the outside of the playoff zone, so um, here's a question for you then: Who's better, Brooklyn or San Francisco? Uh, I think I think Brooklyn is better, but I don't think I still don't think uh, either one of them is going to make the playoffs. Dude, can I say something real quick here? No, you cannot. But thank you for asking. <laughs> well, of dude, course. I mean, two, there's, yeah. there's 
six teams, San Francisco, Brooklyn, Montreal, Detroit, Chicago, and Denver, six teams separated by a total of 10 ratings points. Um, the top of the ratings are kind of spread out and the bottom is kind of spread out, but the middle is very tightly clustered. And San Francisco and Brooklyn are both in that mix. Got to like a tight cluster. Um, Dude, I can't get enough clustering. Uh, any more <laughs> thoughts on San Francisco? Well, dude, could I say something? Of because course. I, I mean, I, dude, I love this team. And, you know, I've known Jeff for a long time. And the guy, he just doesn't make many trades. And so, like, like you say, look, his team is totally static. And so, you know, I think, again, what's the narrative? The narrative is every team has improved. Every team is getting better. Those wins have to come from somewhere. Well, San Francisco hasn't improved at all. It hasn't changed at all. And if, and if, anything he's worse because Fidrich is hurt for like the first two months of the season. So I do think San Francisco probably does worse. Um, Jim Rice last year, he's rated six, six, six. I, I talked about him being MVP two years ago, but his ratings were like, you know, eight, seven, six at the time. Now he's a six, 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 but he put up like 900 OPS last year. I don't see how that's sustainable. Right. So, um, so to me, and again, last year, Jeff did make moves to improve his team. He had a horrible 77. He made a bunch of moves to upgrade his lineup in 78. Guess what? He made the playoffs. But this year, he's back to static. Everybody around him has gotten better, in some cases significantly better. So I do think there has to be some regression, number one. Number two, because other teams are improving, and maybe because his guys are getting older and because Fidrich is injured, his starters actually come in one, two, sixth is that right one two three four fifth so but same as manhattan so yeah so fifth or sixth tie so and almost the same as washington now with holtzman so i mean think about washington staff and like okay they're not that good right and now you're saying san francisco he has jenkins and moose headland but without fidrich you know alexander doyle alexander's really not that good right I was, so, yeah, I'll just jump in here. There's the the one the one piece that does look like uh, like the most positive upside is probably uh, his second baseman Julio Cruz. This guy's got he's got all star potential. I think he's a nine, um, six contact, seven eye. He had a led the league in steals last year, so he's a solid piece that should improve this year. And let's not forget he's got. Um, Pedro Guerrero kind of lurking in the minors, so that uh, Guerrero could come up probably too early this year. But um, you know, if you're talking about Jim Rice, uh, if your left fielder kind of aging out, then maybe Guerrero just maybe the shift to Guerrero happens earlier rather than later. The guy gets some uh, upgrades and has a, a good start to the season. All right. Well, that was San Francisco in the fifth. The in game has uh, Seattle. Finishing well, actually, this is a little interesting. The game essentially has three teams tied with the same record. So fourth, third, second, they all have um, the same record according to the game, which is just barely over five hundred seventy-nine and seventy-seven. What is the what is the show? Well, it has Seattle, Denver, and Chicago all with the same record, but and I think literally the, the they're stacked. Two, three, four, only based on the spelling than anything Alpha. else. Alpha, yeah. Alphabet, yeah, alphabetized. So, you know, you could take it whatever way you want. I'm, I would say that fourth place for Seattle is not that far off from what I would think they would finish. But uh, you know, 
it could be as high as second if you believe uh, you know what the game is saying. Yeah, thoughts thoughts on 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 this sort of cluster at two, three, four. I would say one one way to break that tie, like Sean and I were discussing, uh, like he was wondering like how the game generates these predictions. And my theory, I postulated that the game, uh, it starts by estimating like runs created or run, you know, basically runs produced and runs allowed and then takes those run totals and turns them into expected wins. So in other words, these expected wins would be the Pythagorean win loss based on the expected runs and runs against. So if we're doing it that way, then a good way to break this 79 and 77 tie would be to look at run differential, and by that measure, it would have Denver in um, Denver in fourth, and Seattle in third, and Chicago second. And I would tend to agree with with that ranking as well. Although I do think the the, the one anomaly here. So the game generally has Denver, Seattle, San Francisco. Um, and Chicago, all tightly packed. The one I disagree with is Chicago. I don't see Chicago uh, with only you know one game, two games over 500. I think they're much better than that, and they'll be much. I don't think they'll win 102 again, but they should be closer to 90, I think, than 79 wins. But let's start. I guess we should talk. talk let's talk about Seattle then. Um, Glenn, Glenn, you got thoughts on Seattle? What are your what's what's what are your numbers telling you, us about Seattle? Dude, I like Seattle a lot. So by okay, so how how do you want to break this down? So do you want to talk about start with the starters? Let's look at the starters first. So, um, you know, the game to me again, I don't want to oversimplify it, but I do it all the time. So who cares? To me, all it's about is ratings. If you have higher ratings, you win. It's that simple. So look at the guys' starters. Candelaria is a 20. He's still got some room to grow. So he's a 20 and still improving. Simpson's a 21. Richard's a 21. Montefusco's a 21. His fifth starter, Don Robinson, is a 20. So his starters are the third best starters in the league. And his bullpen is good. He has little. Twitchell is hurt, I believe. But um, he's an excellent closer. So... So by pitching, if you just add up his starters and his relievers, by my count, he has the third best starting staff. And we talked about this in the farm system episode. His problem was essentially entirely on offense, right? Now, you can debate, is Kingman actually going to help his offense or hurt his offense? <laughs> because, you know, he could hit 200 and, you know, on OBP 250 and slugging 400. Or he could, you know, hit a bunch of jacks and – and, you know, produce like an 800, 850 OPS. So, and he traded for Summers, and he's called up Molitor, and he's called up Bennell. So, to me, it's almost like the Detroit example where he had a deficiency, he drafted for it, he went for it in free agency, went for it in trades, and he has radically remade his team. So, by total rating score, there's a big three. Boston, LA, Manhattan is the big three. Like, they're way ahead of everybody. Then there's Seattle. Then there's everybody else. And again, because his starters are so good and because he's radically changed his lineup, I do think he's the fourth best team in the league. Wow. Okay. Wow, okay. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, I think this team is way underappreciated. Uh, J.R. Richard alone, I think he even got an upgrade, but he lost 19 last year. There's no way he comes close to losing 19 again, especially as a third starter. 
Uh, you look at this guy's sixth starter is Ron Reed. I mean, so <laughs> anybody goes down, right? Yeah, You've right. got Ron Reed just hanging out. And as far as, as much as I don't like Dave Kingman, um, he, he's got some supporting staff, which is what I couldn't give him, right? I was counting on him to do the heavy lifting. And I think just having Summers and Herndon sandwiched by those guys is going to make Kingman better. And plus you got him playing first base, which is his, he's an eight there. So that alone, I think, kind of, I, I like that move for, for this team. So uh, he's going to strike out a million times, but I don't think he'll be as bad as he was in Cleveland. Yeah, I, I'm, I don't know. I don't know about what uh, the potential of adding Summers and Kingman looks like adding a lot of offense but i mean again kingman's such a k-dog and i mean he luckily is now i think going to be playing first base which he won't hurt you on defense but i just for the life of me i did not understand the champ summers trade i i don't see what this guy has given to, to a team that he's been on so far you know i mean he looks like he could do things uh offensively but he has never really done it he's never really performed and he is a horrendous outfielder. I mean, a terrible outfielder. So even at a three with a three outfield range, I get it granted that he'll be playing probably left field, which is like if you're going to put your pots or that's where you're going to put him. But even in left field, that dude's going to cost you runs. Just how horrible an outfielder he is. So I don't know that, you know, and again, I, I you know, if, if we're going to call the worst cleanup hitters, I'm going to call Champ Summers his worst cleanup hitter. This guy, I just, he's never performed. I just don't see him necessarily. And maybe he'll have a turnaround. Maybe he'll, things in Seattle will make, you know, will make a difference being there. But it's, it's not a particularly offensive ballpark. And I mean, he's just got some, I mean, you know, on paper, I don't know, you know, I've had Don money before he's had a couple of, you know, mediocre seasons in Seattle. I, I just don't know that this team to me actually looks that much better. The pitching staff is insanely good. I don't know if it's, it's certainly uh, Glenn saying, you know, top three in, in the, in the league, I'd say certainly top five. Um, but I just don't know if that lineup makes up, uh, enough for them to to be a, a, an upper echelon team. It's just uh, like having Molitor, it's great. Having Banal now, fantastic. But the rest of this lineup, I don't know, man. Yeah, I, I agree. I think. Uh, Sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say their 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 defense doesn't look that good. Their offense is. Yeah, Molitor's gonna be really interesting to see how he does. Um, I think he, I think he's like an eight contact three I so he'll have like a 320 average and a 330 on base or something like that I don't see Seattle cracking into the playoff zone um, they won 74 two years ago 75 last year I think they maybe there's a modest improvement this year because the because the pitching is good and if their offense just increases a little bit maybe they get to 500 but you know I still think I think they'll be right in that cluster again fourth or fifth all right, well, in that cluster as well, uh, let's talk about Denver. So uh, let's go to the man, Helmy Denver. Uh, how do you feel about the the game putting you anywhere from, based on this tie, second to fourth in the West? Um, well, again, it's another thing that Sean and I kind of talked about. There's the, the teams are clustered so much that, like, when the game has second and fifth, Second place, fifth place, two games apart. So, 
um, to me, like talking about like the ordinal ranking, like one through five or whatever, um, doesn't really mean that much when teams are that close. But I do think, um, I hope my team's improved a bit. I think 77 was a bit of a fluke year for me when I was in first place for the first half of the year and ended up second with 81 wins. Um, last year I dropped to 71. I feel like this year I'll be somewhere in between. I think probably 500 is uh, about where Denver should land. Um, pitching, obviously, still a huge issue. I was 13th in pitching last year. I actually would be thrilled if I moved up to 12th. Um, you know, one spot, we'll see if Welch makes a difference, uh, if Cobell matures a bit. Um, I do think my offense is a bit better with, uh, I finally have a, you know, a good slugger behind Grieve. Um, I love my 2-3-4 of Carew, Murray, Grieve. I was second in runs. Hopefully I'll still be in the top two, although I could see uh, Detroit maybe um, surpassing me in, in, in runs. I, in general, I think this is a 500 team that's maybe on the way up in the next couple of years if they can if some of the pitching prospects develop. Glenn, I know you got to have some thoughts about about Denver. Right. I mean, so there's a few. I mean, there's so many ways to tackle this. So one is the ratings do show a big jumble. And the predicted finish shows a jumble. So I think that's accurate, right? Or that makes sense to me. Because the, there's a jumble, that means that very small differences could make a big difference in the final standing. So that's why it's like how much utility is there between saying who's third, fourth, fifth, if it's like one game separates them, right? So the thing about De De or Denver is they're like the conversation we had about Detroit. You're basically all in on the best offense you can possibly create. And I'm a huge friggin' fan of the theory of the best. And you, you can't have the best absolute offense because Montreal or Manhattan is still in the league. But Carew is an awesome, I mean, awesome. And he missed a 50 games or 60 games. He missed two months last year, basically. If you get a full season of Carew, a full season of Murray, Grieve, and Luzinski from like two years ago, I mean, I don't see how you're not contending. I mean, again, I guess Manhattan has to lead the league, but you're number two in runs scored with a bullet, I guess let's put it that way. And then and your bullpen is really good. If I mean, maybe not the whole bullpen, but but Victor Cruz is awesome. Willoughby, dude, the guy adds the 21. Odell Jones, who's he? I mean, he's good. So you've got an awesome, awesome offense, and the bullpen will close the games that you're ahead in. So the question is, can the starters, like, keep you in it? I guess that's the question. You know, it's always hard because of your park. Cobell, 587, he was 587 last year, and he got utterly lit, right? So, you know, it's hard to know if if the park negates all the things we're talking about. But A, I don't think it does. And B, I don't think it matters. You just have to get the best rated guys you can anyway, right? I mean, what else can you do? And, and I think your rotation, until you get to the end, like Roger Nelson, not that exciting, but everybody else is a 19 or a 20. So, so I, again, I would think Denver could be very well. I mean, again, I see, I would have you contending just on the basis of your offense and your bullpen, right? But, um, but again, because the cluster is so tight, it's just going to be a big mishmash of guys. You know, does that mean you're finished second or does that mean you finished fifth? I don't know. All those teams are going to be, you know, tightly bunched. Um, so is that sufficient? Yeah. Yeah. 
Sorry. No, I see. I see. I think I agree with Tim where this team is close. And it's going to be interesting in offseason because there's going to be like eight teams just trying to get whatever pitching they can. And this is one of those teams that needs to add a frontline guy or two. And so if they get that, I don't think there's anything stopping them. So, but yeah, this year it's going to be, they're going to be right there. Like Glenn was talking about that cluster. And you're going to have, what, three or four teams at the top who are just going to win a bunch of games. You're going to have four teams at the bottom that are going to gobble a bunch of losses. And then you got the, these other you know, teams that are just going to be beating up on each other. And somebody's going to squeak through out of this group. And it could be Denver. All right. Well, the uh, the other team in that group of three-way tie, according to the game, is uh, Chicago. I guess I'll tackle that, if I may. Um I certainly don't agree with the 79 and 77 uh, finish for Chicago. I mean, I, you know, I, I guess. Shocking. What'd you say? Shocking. Shocking. Yeah, I don't agree with it. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think I'm going to do anything shocking here either. I mean, last year, I maybe I went out a little bit on a limb and said that I thought that Chicago would win the division, and they did. I think the Chicago will win the division again. Uh, and make the playoffs. Um, I think this is the window is definitely closing. There's there's some uh, expensive talent that's going to be probably on its way out uh, in the next couple of years. But for right now, the team pretty much stayed the same from last year. I mean, obviously Holtzman went away, uh, which is a you know tough loss. But I think Dan McGinn. Uh, is a night was a nice addition to the rotation, and we'll have um, Billy Singer back for the entirety of a, a season. So I think you can sort of notch uh, two or three more wins under his belt, just being able to pitch in Chicago. Um, and then again, the bullpen is essentially the same bullpen. And you know, the one thing that we've always talked about is you know, pitching gets you to the playoffs, and offense can you know hopefully get you to the World Series, if not winning the World Series. So I, I tried as I, as I as best I could with the, the limited sort of resources that I had to add some uh, um, some offense to the team, uh, aside from trying to go after Tory, which I just didn't want to spend the money on Tory. So, you know, adding Joe Rudy and putting them in there, I think it adds a little bit of power again, getting, uh, getting D.W. Roberts to be a backup to Carl Taylor right now adds a little bit of, of uh, power out of the catcher position, which I haven't had for years. Um, and I just think the team is is you know with the playing style that it's playing, which is not going to change despite the addition of some guys who have a little bit more home run power um, behind them. Um, you know, as long as guys can play up to the par that they played last year, I, I don't see this team um, slipping out of first place in the West. Thoughts? I do. Yeah. But I, I do, but but I don't think um, uh, that that like. Like you said, this team has not changed that much, and this team won 102 games last year. So how can the game have uh, the in-game prediction has a 23 game? You know they're going to drop 23 wins. I don't see that that's even possible. Um, I think this team is clearly um, in the top. I would say the top four or five in the league. I'm trying to think, and probably the top four. Um, but I think um, I, I don't think they'll get at 102. Maybe they'll be closer to like 95 wins. Actually, what I do see in the West is we might see a, another. We might see like a Manhattan Boston style, just like two team race back and forth, zigzagging, 
pennant race between LA and, and Chicago. Charlie? Yeah, I think there are going to be a few surprises in this league, but I don't think the Colts will be one. I think you're going to win the division again. Uh, like Tim said, it's not. I don't think it's going to be easy, but I, I just, I, I just don't see it. You know, you've got the intangibles. You've got some, some great defense. You know, and if you can keep, if Rivers can stay healthy, you know, like that guy is, a, is just awesome. And uh, you know, you need to have that guy around. And uh, you added Cash, yeah, you know, and Carlos May, Robin, yeah. Oh my God, that's a, that's a monster lineup. And of course, I put you in the top three in the in the in the league in the whole league so i think you win the division i think la will put up a fight for the crown but i think you'll eke it out so just to clarify you top three you put them with uh boston and manhattan i think so yeah glenn what do you think well i mean look my system has weaknesses right so raw ratings count works maybe like in broad strokes, but it falls down when it comes to like your approach, which is, I don't care about power. So every single guy on your team or most of the guys on your team, you know, are deficient there. So then that means if I just add up the scores, your score is less, right, than other teams. But your score was less last year and you finished with the best record, right? So um, pitching wise, uh, I have your starters fourth. So just behind Seattle. Uh, your entire staff, I have you fourth, just behind Seattle. Your lineup, though, I have you fourth from the bottom. So, but again, that's almost the same, or at least very similar lineup to last year, right? Though, though again, I don't think it's safe to say your lineup is the same. I mean, right? You cash for uh, cash for Lansford essentially was your trade, um, and Rudy is a arguably an upgrade over uh, certainly more pop, right, than uh, than the other guys, though. So I don't think your team is exactly the same. I don't think you've stood still. But, I mean, the whole thing we've been saying this entire time is so many teams have improved. The wins have to come from somewhere. So I think we've established Denver has significantly improved. Seattle has significantly improved. If you – Detroit has significantly improved. And we play a balanced schedule, right? So it's not like West versus West predominantly. We play a balanced schedule. So you're going to have to you know, bang heads with Detroit and these other teams too. So to me – the wins have to come from somewhere and the ratings for your team don't look great. So that's the reason why I would see you down again behind Seattle, just because ratings wise, his, his score is so much higher. But again, I recognize that, you know, I said the exact same thing last year and, and that I was completely wrong. You were yeah, completely, totally wrong. Yeah. And then one more thing to say, sorry, you know, is you have singer and McAnally at the top of your rotation. So, you had those guys last year. You had the best record in baseball. Singer and McAnally also produced the best record in baseball with Montreal like three years ago. So, again, it seems foolish to bet against, you know, two guys who are going to combine for, you know, 500-plus innings, right, out of 1,400 total innings. And, you know, they're going to produce ERAs less than three. So, so that's why it's like it seems ridiculous to say, oh, yeah, you know, Seattle's better. But – I don't know, dude. Again, I'm, I'm kind of dopey, and I just do what I know. And just by adding up the score, Seattle's higher, so I put them higher. But um, but I get it. You know, if somebody wants to say you're going to be in the top two or the top three or the top one, 
you know, I mean, again, last year it worked. So who am I to say it's not going to work again? I, yeah, I was just going to jump in here and say Chicago has led the league in fewest runs allowed the last two seasons. So obviously that's a function of both pitching and defense. But I think you're onto something, Glenn, uh, on your on your uh, on on your system if you're just adding the if you're just adding the ratings and when you when you do that you're, you 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 look at the top five starters and just add them all up. Yeah, exactly. Five starters, two relievers, and just the position players. The yeah, position players. So, like you said, if the top two guys are pitching half of the innings, that you know maybe there's an argument for changing the weighting and giving. Uh, and again, that's maybe that where the system falls down. You're getting Sutton and McGinn the same credit as Singer and McAnally, um, even though the top two guys are going to pitch a lot more innings. So maybe that's where the that number one ranking comes in, uh, combined with the with the defense and the park effects, probably. Um, all right. Well, that uh, leaves only one spot, which. Um would be Los Angeles. The game is predicting LA is going to finish uh, first in the West. Uh, so, all right. So uh, who wants to talk about it? How about, uh, how about the commission? Uh, what are your feelings about LA uh, finishing first in the West? They were a fascinating story last year because they were the only team in the top three in both runs and runs against. They were, they had the second best run differential, which again, that's what produces the Pythagorean, uh, win-loss record, which is, in other words, expected wins. Um, and yet they finished uh, fifth overall. They missed the playoffs on the last day. They had that horrific slump at the end and just got uh, edged out of the playoffs. Actually, San Francisco is the team that kind of surged over them, and then they ended up virtually in a fourth-place tie with Manhattan and then dropped out on the last day. So I think um, this is a team that should have won closer to 100 games last year, at least 97, 98 Last year, um, they all the pieces are back. The usual suspects, Dirker, Peterson, Forsh, Christensen, uh, very solid rotation. You've got Gossage in the bullpen. The team can score runs. Um, I love the lineup. He's got, like, Randolph is an excellent leadoff man. He's got lots of power in the middle. Um, uh, again, I think uh, Chicago might be stronger pitching-wise. Um but I think LA is going to score more runs, and I think this is just the parallel. Like LA is the LA is the Manhattan of the West, and Chicago is the Boston of the West. And I, I think that these teams are going to it's going to come down to a a, a tight race. But I, I would give LA just the slight edge because they were third in offense and second in pitching. I do see a down a slight downfall. Uh, in that you compare them to the Manhattan of the West, where they don't have a lot of flexibility if guys go down. Maybe in pitching, but outfielders, you know, you lose one of those big pieces out there, and you don't have a whole lot to cover with. Um, so I, I, I don't know. That's that they are like Manhattan in that way, where if one or two guys go down, it, it could get ugly. Um, but on the other hand, like with, you know, the pitching, they got some, they got four or five guys in the minors who could step up and fill some roles if things go down. So I'm not worried about that. But again, if number one or two goes down, you know, so, so that's how I see they're like Manhattan. Um, I still see them getting into the playoffs. I just don't think they're going to overtake Chicago for first. 
Glennie, I'm sure you got some thoughts. Tim started out by saying, you know, he was the biggest Pythagorean underperformer in the league. And one way that happens is that your bullpen just is atrocious and you lose a lot of close games, a lot of games that you, um, you know, arguably could have or should have won because of blown saves. So on the one hand, it's true. He hasn't changed his team very much. But on the other hand, it's hard to envision Goose Gossage being as bad this year as he was last year. So I do think that is an improvement. You know, he traded for Willie Hernandez middle of the season last year, and he got hurt. So Willie Hernandez on his own would be one of the best closers in the league. That's a setup guy now, and he drafted Underwood. So I think he has actually addressed his biggest weakness, and that's his bullpen. So, um, and now, so, okay, that's one. Two, if you look at it in ratings terms, Boston has the best starting pitchers. L.A. is second. If you look at it in the lineup terms, Manhattan has the best lineup. L.A. is second. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty good, right? I mean, you're, you're, you're behind, like, the, the one team that's gone all in on pitching, that's the only team ahead of you. And the one team that's gone all in on offense, that's the only team ahead of you. So, to me, his team is so good, it's disgusting. Now, I said that last year, and they missed the playoffs, right? So, again, you know, stuff can happen. Dudes can underperform. Guys can get injured. So, none of these things are written in stone, but... I just feel like, on average, L.A. looks like the best team in the West. They look like, the, you know, ratings-wise, they're the second-best team. Um, so it's hard for me to foresee them not making the playoffs. Um, all right. Well, any other general thoughts on the West? I will just say that I, I feel like between the two divisions, the West is going to be uh, just a lot more exciting in the sense of I think there could be a lot of more jockeying for positions, jockeying for spots anywhere from from certainly five up to two. I think I feel like the East is going to be a little more. Uh, it's the 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 landing spots for teams are not going to be all that surprising. I think it's going to be a little more expected. Where I think the West is going to be a little more wild and woolly as far as uh, what ends up happening, as far as where t- teams end up landing. Um, Anybody have any other thoughts? I have a few things I could follow up on. As you always do, and we always love to hear you follow up. So, <laughs> well, I don't know if you like to hear it or not, but but um, there was a discussion earlier about the preseason predictions and how does the game do it? Okay, so there is an OOTP. The company puts out a podcast. Mostly, it's things I could care less about. But they did, there was one time that they talked about, uh, or some of the times they talked about the game and how it works. One of the throwaway lines in there was that they basically run the season twice and average the result. So that's what you get. <laughs> so, so that's the prediction. So the predicted standards. Why would standards you run it, is, yeah, why would so you run just, it twice? It, like, it could run it a thousand times, right? Like, why would they just twice? Well, <laughs> well because, well, because. It's just a friggin' simulation. And so you can get, you know, 1975 Detroit happens, right? So if you don't run it at least twice, <laughs> if you don't run it at least twice, then you end up with, oh, there's your predicted standing. Detroit's the winner. But that can't be, right? So you got to run it at least twice, right? So I, I don't I know think, why they didn't do it. I think what the game is trying to tell us is that Ernie McAnally is going to have a career-ending injury in May. Well, <laughs> well, well oh, but yeah, that's obvious. But only in one of those two seasons. The other season, he's kind of won the Cy Young. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. I just uh, well, that's an interesting way that they go about that because it's like I think they're running. I guess 
basically simulating the entire season without any human managers um, right. having any input, which means that it doesn't account for anything, any any changes that a human manager, any trades they would do, any things that they would do to make up for injuries or losses or try to get their team better during the season, which I, then I, it doesn't really – that doesn't. I mean, the the outcome that, that they come up with is just. Uh, you know, I guess it it works if if the way that you were playing was that basically someone was pushing a button and you were like, okay, what's the what are the standings at the end of the season? But that's not how anybody plays their league. So I don't. I don't know. That makes me makes me like put even less uh, faith and less weight into the predictions that the game that the game spits out every season. All right. So let's go around the table and let's say uh, let's pick our dark horses then. If if the, if the overall consensus is Boston, Manhattan, LA, Chicago as the top four, let's go around and pick who's who's the who's the team that we think would squeak into like from the cluster of like fifth to eighth who might who might slip into the playoffs. Charlie, do you want to start? Uh, I feel like the safe pick is Seattle, yeah. just based on their pitching. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say that um, what you call it, Manhattan and LA are, are not vulnerable, but I feel like both those teams could go either way, and I think Seattle could squeak in. So Glenn, Glenn, I assume you agree with that based on your ratings. Yeah, yeah, Seattle would be my if I was gonna pick one upset. I mean, I think LA, I think San Francisco's vulnerable because they're static and because they're old, right? So to me, San Francisco's the most vulnerable. Uh, and then Chicago, just because of my rating score, right? Even though I acknowledge Singer and McAnally, best record in the league multiple times, could well happen again. Um, but so, yeah, I would say Seattle for oh, sure. I mean, again, it's my rock solid one. But I could give you, I could see one of Brooklyn or Montreal, though. Yeah. I wouldn't even count out Denver. I mean, to be honest, if, if you crush it, if your offense just crushes it, your bullpen's good enough, bro. Yeah. What about you, Lance? Who's your dark horse? Well, I mean, I think we sort of touched on this a little bit. I think you asked me about uh, between San Francisco and Brooklyn, if if who I thought would make it in the playoffs. I had picked Brooklyn, so I think I'd have to. I'm gonna have to stick with that. And but that's contingent on that sort of top four in their batting order, like really, really all those guys performing. But uh, I think they have enough pieces to uh, to squeak in. And I have. To, I would agree with. I'll have to agree with Charlie in in as much as that I think if one of the two teams in the East that's vulnerable, I, I actually think it might be Manhattan versus Boston. So that leaves you. Tim, who's your dark horse? I'd say there's five teams that basically uh, – there's Brooklyn, Montreal, um, Seattle, San Francisco, and Denver. I think those five could all potentially, if everything goes right, they get hot, they avoid injuries – uh, they get some career years out of guys, uh, some breakout seasons from younger players. Uh, one of those five could could break it. Possibly even two of those five could sneak in. Um, again, if uh, if uh, you know one of those, a couple of those vulnerable teams drop down. To me, a real pennant race, the more exciting pennant race, is when teams jump in and out of that playoff zone, right? And you're not sure who's gonna who's gonna mm-hmm. third and fourth and who the playoff teams will be. If the, if the top four are head and shoulders above everyone else and it's just jiggering, you know, one, two, three, one, three, two, to me, that's less interesting. I, to me, hopefully we'll have a, a race where there's six or seven teams that are in the hunt and, you know, bouncing in and out of the playoff zone all year. And I think that, that, that definitely 
Well, there's only one way to find out if that will happen, and is that will be to start the season, which is going to be when, Commissioner? I think we're aiming for Monday. Uh, Monday, all right. Yeah. Obviously, we want to get this podcast out, but we'll get the podcast out, and we'll get uh, everyone uh, uh, can listen to these previews first, and then we'll push the button on opening day. I might do a thing where I start uh, start around noon and just run it all day like we've done before. Uh, that's kind of a fun way to kick off the season. So. All right. Do a slow sim over like eight or ten hours or something like that. Okay. Well, that is something to look forward to. I know that uh, all of us are excited for that to happen and get into the 1979 season um, and see if we get even remotely close with our predictions. Um, until opening day, as we like to say around here, here is to fake baseball. Fake baseball.